You're listening to a podcast from Columbia Christian Fellowship in Columbia, Pennsylvania. Our services are weekly at 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. Most of you know, I work for Royers part-time, especially during the holidays, and you probably don't know that Mother's Day is the biggest flower day of the year. Did you know that? It's bigger than, yes, I know you know, D. It's better, it's bigger than Valentine's Day, and it's bigger than Christmas. People don't realize that. So it was a busy week at Royers, and I am so blessed that when I have those other responsibilities, I have men who can fill the pulpit. So today we're going to welcome Josh to come. Josh, if you'll come, and Josh will bring us the word. All right, is this thing working? Oh, it does. Good morning. Can everybody see that out there pretty good? I always, my slides, I always try to get the right kind of theme and lettering, and sometimes they're off. What is a serving heart? When we hear the phrase um, serving others, what is it that we picture? A lot of times it's just helping out when someone's asked. A lot of times we don't know to help somebody without them asking us. We're too involved with the world and what's going on in our life to look out and see others in need or needing help. A lot of times people ask for money and we go to the, do the bare minimum. We give them, you know, they need $40. Instead, we give them five. Well, I'll at least help them out something. I'll give them a little something. You know what I mean? Or many other ideas that the world has us to believe is serving others. The world, I believe, has corrupted our thoughts of what it is to be a Christian, what it is to serve others. In Exodus 4, 24 through 26, it says, On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. If you read in Exodus and you read the backstory to this, Exodus, Moses was leading everyone out of um, Egypt. And God gives us specific commandments and basic um, covenant things that we have to stick to. One of them was circumcision. Well, Moses didn't want to circumcise his son. God was about to kill Moses because Moses has n- had not circumcised his son. Why, had, why didn't Moses do this? We got to remember that Moses had spent half his life in the Pharaoh's palace and half of his life in the Mennonite wilderness. Sort of like us, we spent some of our time in church and then we spend some of our time out in the world. We know what we learn in church to be true when we read the Bible and we listen to Pastor Hub speak and the other speakers speak. But then we get out to the world and their mindset is different than what our church's mindset is. He might not have been familiar with God's laws, especially since all the requirements of God's covenant with Israel had not been actively carried out for over 400 years. If we think about that as aspect of us going to church, 
Some of us only go to church on Sundays. We don't spend time in the Word while we're at home. We don't spend time in small groups and stuff like that. So all we hear about that God wants us to do and how God wants us to act is on Sundays. We spend the majority of our time in the world. And we have all of that worldly viewpoints and the things that they say is true affecting our life. Moses could not effectively serve as the deliverer of God's people until he had fulfilled the conditions of God's covenant. And one of those conditions was circumcision. Just like us within church, we can't be servers to others. We can't serve the Lord unless we read the Bible, we pray, and we follow what his commandments are, what we get from him from the Bible. Before Moses and the people could go any further, Moses and his family had to follow God's commands completely. It couldn't be half-heartedly. He couldn't be like, okay, well, I'll I'll listen to you, God. I'll I'll do whatever you tell me to, but I'm not going to do this. He had to follow God completely, 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts. Under the Old Testament law, failing to circumcise your son was removing yourself and your family from God's blessings. Moses learned that disobeying God was even more dangerous than tangling with an Egyptian pharaoh. Moses was trying to get away from the pharaoh and all of his his, um, laws and stuff like that, trying to save his people from slavery. All he had to do was follow God. Now Moses, if you think about it, Moses might have thought, well, you know, God's got all these commandments. The Pharaoh had all these things that he wanted me to do. Am I really going from one to another? But the Pharaoh was doing it to make him a slave. The Pharaoh was doing it out of his own interest. The Pharaoh was making the the Israelites slaves to do his things, to build the pyramids, to serve his people. God was had these commandments for our benefit. It wasn't for his benefit. It's for us. He knows that ever since sin came into our lives, we're selfish people. We do things that we want to do, and we end up getting ourselves in trouble. He made these commandments to help us to live a better life, to help us be better people, to serve others betterly. In Judges six fourteen through 16, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Mennonites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. God told Gideon, I will be with you. God's truth, he will never lie to us. He will never tell us false things or anything. So if God says, I'm going to be with you, he's going to be with you. He's our father. And God promised to give him the strength he needed to overcome the opposition. Gideon had everything he needed. He had God saying he was going to be there with him, and God promised to give him the strength to overcome. There was one thing that Gideon, or was actually two things that Gideon lacked. One was faith that God was going to be with him. And the other was the serving heart. God told him to do something, and Gideon 
kind of selfishly was like, well, he kind of made excuses. I can't do that. I'm small. But God already promised he was going to give him the strength. He just had to serve. Despite this clear promise for strength, Gideon made excuses. I'm small. My clan's not. I don't have that many people. You know, all these pe- they have all these people. They have all these weapons. Seeing only his limitations and weaknesses, he failed to see how God could work through him. Like Gideon, we are called to serve God in specific ways. Although God promises us the tools and strength we need, we often make excuses. A lot of us have strengths, talents that God gave us. But within the world, the world comes into view and you're like, oh, I got, I got to do this, I got to go to work, or, you know, I really got to go home and clean my house. If God asks us to do something, we, have, we are a human people that come up with excuses like that. Instead of faith like that, we come up with excuses. There's always something else that we feel that we should be doing. But reminding God of our limitations only implies that he does not know about us or that he has made a mistake in evaluating our character. If God gives us something to do, if we pray and God says, listen, I want you to go in the church and I want you to volunteer for such and such thing. He's not doing that because he wants us there. He's doing that because he knows that we have a talent. We have a gift that could be helpful to the church. If God tells you to go into work and talk to a certain person or help a certain person out on a project, it's not because he wants you to, he wants um, that person to feel better. It's because he wants you to serve. You have a talent that might be able to help that person out and help that person get the job done faster and better, and you get glory for it, God gets glory for it, and so does the other person. We're not to spend time making excuses. Instead, we have to be honest about our feelings and then do what God wants us to do. If God asks you to do something and you're trying to think of an excuse, oh, well, you know, I really, I'm supposed to go do my hair tonight, get my hair done tonight. Don't think of that. Pray and ask God, why do you want me to do this? Why should I do this? Okay, well, how can I switch my plans around to work for you? If I looked it up, I could probably come down with the exact science of how long hair grows within a day and be like, hey, you know, that one day is not going to hurt you getting your hair cut. We all come up with excuses, but we got to think of what's more important. Is it more important to serve God, to better our lives, and to be in a good standing with him, or is it more important to do whatever we want, get our hair cut, get the oil changed in our car or whatnot? Second Kings ten thirty through thirty one. Nonetheless, the Lord said to Judah, "I think that's how you say it, Jehu, you have done well in following my instructions to destroy the family of Ahab. Therefore, your descendants will be kings of Israel down to the fourth generation." But Jehu did not obey the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. 
David did much of what the Lord told him to do, but he did not obey God in everything. He had become God's instrument for carrying out justice, but he had not become God's servant. He did what God wanted him to, but he didn't do it out of a servant's heart. He did it either out of fear that the Lord would, um, well, I'm trying to think how I would say this, <laughs> punish him for not following him, or he did it because he wanted something from the Lord. As a result, he gave only lip service to God while permitting the worship of the golden calf. He did what God wanted him to. He, he destroyed Ahab's family. But yet he still allowed other things to happen that he knew were wrong in God's eyes. We are to examine the conditions of our heart towards God. We can be very active in our work for God and still not give the heartfelt obedience he desires. We can go to church on Sundays, faithfully, every Sunday for the rest of our lives. However, if we don't listen to God and we don't read the word, we don't pray, we don't try and get involved as much as we can or as much as he wants us to, it's the same aspect of what happened here to Jehoram. He'll, he'll still bless us, but we won't get the full blessing. Philippians 2.3, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Selfishness can ruin a church, our family, our friendships, every aspect of our relationship lives. But genuine humility can build it. Being humble involves having a true perspective of ourselves it does not mean that we should put ourselves down by any means because before God we are all sinners saved only by God's grace but we are saved and therefore have great worth in God's kingdom we're to lay aside our selfishness and treat others with respect and common courtesy this kind of comes down to the golden rule treat others as you would want to be treated we're to consider others' interests as more important than our own, which links us to Christ, who was the true example of humility. If you think about it, God could have, when we all sinned and everything like that, before he sent Jesus down to earth to be with us, before he came down to be in human form, to show us you know, what it's like to be Christ-like, he could have just been like, you know what, just like the flood. Okay, these guys have gone way too far away from me again. That's it, you know. I said I was never going to make another flood. Let's try something else. You know, he could have had a meteor hit the earth and killed us all. He did that to the dinosaurs. I'm telling you, if they would have read their Bibles, I think they would have survived. But he could have done something else. Instead, he humbled himself. He came down to earth himself to be a human form, just like us. If you think about it, us as parents, it's the same way with our kids. Now, I'm going to be a really big hypocrite on this one, so just watch my wife. She's going to be going the little eyes up thing. Us as parents are to show our children how to live. 
how to follow Christ and how to act and stuff like that. Just like Jesus came down to earth, he showed his disciples and the rest of the world how to live, how to humble himself, how to serve others. Us as parents are supposed to do the same thing. It's really weird how we have all these different gifts that God gives us. But the one thing that he wants us to do most is to serve others. We all have different talents. We all, you know, some are good carpenters. Some are good um, magicians, the worship band and stuff like that. But we're all to serve others. We're to use those talents to serve others. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges... He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. People often excuse selfishness, pride, or evil by claiming their rights. Jesus could have said, you know, God, I'm, I'm you. I'm part of you. I don't need to be down here. I've already done my thing. Instead, he came down. He humbled himself. People think that they can cheat on a test after all. I deserve to pass this class. I come here every day. You know, I do all the homework. I should pass this class. So I'm just going to cheat. Or I can spend all the money on myself. I worked for it. Or my weekend belongs to me. I just don't have time to help others. But as believers, we should have a different attitude, one that enables us to lay aside our rights in order to serve others. Everything we have in our lives come from God. The jobs that we have, whether we like them, we love to go to work, or whether we hate it and we dread to go on to work, it still came from God. So we as Christians, should serve God. We should do our best, give 100% to do whatever job we have, whatever menial task that God has given us to do. If we say we follow Christ, we must also say we want to live as he lived. We should develop his attitude of humility as we serve, even when we are not likely to get recognition for our efforts. As a world, as humans now, or the way the world is in general, if you ask somebody to do something, more times than not, they're, what am I going to get out of this? What do I get for this? Hey, can you come down and pick me up um, at my work to go get my truck? Are you going to give me gas money? What are you going to do for me? Hey, can you, can you do this for me? Every, it's always something for something. We are not to have that attitude. Jesus didn't heal the people in the crowds and stuff like that and beforehand say, okay, you're sick. What are you going to do for me? No, he healed them. Actually, he healed them and said, get up and go and tell no one. He didn't do it for self for glory or anything for himself. We have to think when people ask us to do something or we see somebody in need and we don't do it, are we selfishly clinging to our rights? 
Are we looking to get something out of that? Or are we willing to serve? Sometimes we have to put our pride and our selfishness aside. Actually, all the time we need to do it because as humans, a lot of us are selfish just by human nature. We're prideful. But we're to put that away. If we want to be like Christ and we want to be true Christians, which are supposed to be true aspects of Christ on earth, when people look at us and they see that we're Christians, they hear that we're Christians, they should look at us and be like, you know what? He is a Christian. He acts just like Jesus did when he was on the earth. That's what we're to be like. If they look at us and be like, well, I can kind of see it. You know, he does go to church on Sundays. He, he did help Bob out last week on this you know, thing. Well, he gave him about a half hour of his time, but he still helped out. That's, that's not true Christians. We are to give 110%. If someone asks you to come over and help mow the front of their lawn and you see the backyard needs mowed too, we're not just to do the front. Do the front and the back. As a matter of fact, ask them if they need the side yard done too. Do you need some weeding done? We're to serve others. If we serve others, in reality, we're serving God. Because that's what God asks us to do. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Two different people, they were sisters, both serving Jesus in different ways. Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. But on this occasion, they both served him, but they had different ways of showing their love. Mar Mary sat there and listened to Jesus, spent time with him, wanted to know what he was about, what he was teaching. Martha was more of doing the the details, the service, you know, making him dinner, you know, cleaning up for him, making him hospitable. Two different aspects. They both served Jesus, but which was the more important at that time? We have to ask ourselves sometimes, are we so busy doing things for Jesus that we're not spending any time with him? Are we spending too much time doing you know, menial stuff, whether it be out talking to people or something like that and not spending time with them. Do we do more activities serving him than sitting there and just reading the Bible, listening to him and praying to him and talking to him? Moderation is good for everything. We have to learn to Mediate our time and spend time with him and time listening to him, doing things for him. Jesus didn't blame Martha for being concerned about her household duties. By far, he didn't. He was only asking her to set correct priorities. A lot of times, doing things for Jesus that we feel need to be done 
can degenerate into mere busy work that is totally devoid of devotion to God. Sometimes we get into too many habits where we do all these things for Jesus that we forget about Jesus and the reason that we're doing them. In Matthew 23, 11 through 12, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. A lot of times with the church nowadays, there's too many people going and being like, I'm a Christian, I did this, I'm involved with this organization and all this other stuff. That they want to get the glory for being a Christian, not the glo- they don't want to give the glory to God for what they're doing. Jesus challenged the prevailing notions of how to get ahead. To him, greatness comes from serving God and helping people without regard for personal benefit or advancement. Service keeps us aware of others' needs, and it stops us from focusing only on ourselves. Jesus came as a servant. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a ruler. He didn't come as a leader or anything like that. He came as a servant, and by his character and what he did, ended up being a leader. People wanted to follow him because of what he was doing. We have to think to ourselves, if we want to serve God, we want to serve Jesus, and we want to serve others, what do we have to change in our lives? Is it our mindset? Is it our priority of time that we have? Is there certain things in our lives that we do that are really only because of us? It's only for us. It doesn't really help anybody else. Can we really live without those things? We have to kind of take a look back at our lives and our daily routine and see what can I change in my life to make a little more time to help others, to do more of God's work and less of my work. Numbers 15 through 39, or 1539. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. If we take a look at our lives and we kind of switch our routine around and we make ideas of how we can serve God better and serve others better, we have to make note of that and constantly look at those notes. It's, it's like anything in life. When you start living a certain way, you get into a certain routine. And to get out of that routine, you have to repeat doing something differently at least three, four times over to get it done right. I do the same thing at work. When I first started driving our logging truck and trailer, to hook the chains up in the trailer and everything, I had to do it in a certain way. And I had to remember to keep doing it in that way. After a while, it just became habit. And I just did it and was off. It's the same thing with our lives. We have to have these tassels, these notes, when we try to switch our lives around to live for the Lord now. 
The tassels will remind people not to seek after their own lustful desires, but instead to seek the Lord. If we're trying to serve the Lord better now and serve others and switch our life up from how we're living it now, if we're not doing that, we have to set those reminders because we're going to go back in our old nature. Yes, we might be good for a week or two, and then eventually the world's going to catch up with us again, and we're just going to be right back to where we were. We have to have those, those tassels, those reminders to keep us on track. Idol worship is self-centered, focusing on what a person can get from serving an idol, whether it be our work, another person. We shouldn't be looking at other people and helping them to see what we can get out of it. We should be doing it to help them, to help benefit them. The worship of God is the opposite. Believers are to be selfless rather than self-centered. Instead of expecting God to serve us, we are to serve him, expecting nothing in return. We serve God for who he is, not for what we can get from him. Um, A lot of times in our lives, that's what we do. We only help others because we expect something out of it. We have to get out of that mindset and help others for them. In the end, God's go- we're going to get everything that we want because God's going to give it to us. We're going to be doing exactly what God wanted us to do. God wants us to serve others and to serve him. Genesis 24, 18 through 21. Yes, my Lord, she answered, have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. I'll draw water for your camels, too, until they have had enough to drink. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Eliza was, was thirsty, wanted a drink. Rebecca gave him a drink, but not only did she give him a drink, she said, hey, let me take care of your camels, too. She could have did the bare minimum. She could have been like, yeah, here, here you go. Here's a drink. Have a good day. But instead, she went and went above and beyond what he had wanted. Rebecca's servant spirit was clearly demonstrated as she willingly and quickly drew water for Eliza and his camels. Back in the day, do you know how big those jugs were that they, that they held? They were humongous, and they were heavy. The pots used for carrying water were large and heavy. Did you know that a thirsty camel drinks a lot of water, up to 25 gallons of water after a week's travel? 25 gallons. Could you imagine going and carrying 25 gallons of water back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, feeding somebody else's camel that you didn't ride, that you don't have to take care of, let alone getting him a drink also? Seeing Rebecca go to work, Eliza knew this was a woman with a heart for doing far more than the bare minimum. We have to ask ourselves, do we have that kind of heart? Do we have the heart to go above and beyond the bare minimum? When somebody asks us to help out and say, 
hey, can you help change my battery in my car? Do we just help them change the battery? Or do we say, hey, let's make sure everything else is right in this thing too before you drive it off? Somebody asks you to help move a dresser because they're moving. Do you just help them move that dresser? Or do you ask them, hey, is there anything else that you need moved to? We have to ask ourselves, when we are asked or we see someone in need, do we just want to give the bare minimum? Or do we want to go above and beyond? Jesus could have came down to earth and just sacrificed himself right away for us. He could have been like, okay, I'm going to go down there. They're sinful. I'm going to be like, hey, listen, I'm taking care of this. I'm going to die on the cross real quick. It's done. It's over with. Continue on. No, he came down to earth. He walked the earth with us for many years, teaching us, being an example to us on how we should live. When he knew that we had the concept and there was 12 disciples, 11 because one did his selfish thing, and wanted to gain from his betrayal of Jesus. But when he finally had his disciples that he knew he could trust to carry on his word and his teachings, then he said, okay, it's time. Let's get this over with. I'm going back to heaven. But he didn't just come down and just be like, okay, I'm going to go down here, make this a half-hour little meeting here, do my thing, and then I'm going back home. He spent time with us. He got to know us. He went above and beyond what he had to do. So again, we went through scriptures. In the beginning, I said, what is a serving heart? Through the scriptures, we got a good idea of what a serving heart is. As we experience today through scripture, God wants us to have serving hearts. We're all made in the image of God, so we were born with the nature to serve. As we grew up in the world, the world kind of twisted that idea of what serving others is. We have to get back to that. The world's changed our perception of what serving others is to be like. However, it's never too early, can't be too young to learn, and it's never too late, because you can't be too old to learn also, to have a serving heart. You know how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks? That's a lie. It's a myth. That's an excuse to get out of what you want to do. We have plenty of time. Jesus isn't here yet, right? However, he might come back tomorrow, so you don't want to wait and say, hey, you know what, I'll start this tomorrow. Start it today. We're to have serving hearts. We can change that by reading the Bible reevaluating our life and how we live our lives and trying to align it more with God's will in our lives, serving others. Stop making excuses. If you're walking down the street and you see somebody struggling or something like that, don't be like, well, I got to hurry up and get to the store and get milk. Guess what? That milk's still going to be there when you get there. Help that person out. You just help them. You helped yourself because God's going to see it. God sees everything. That there, Art helped that lady, that he has a servant's heart. I'm going to bless him today. We're trying, we got to get out of our own selfishness, serving ourselves and not God. So my challenge 
for the congregation, try to find at least one person to help serve throughout the week. One person a day. That's not that hard, right? There's 24 hours in a day. You sleep about eight hours. That gives you, what, 16 hours to, to roam the earth. 16 hours to find one person. I don't think it's that hard. Thank you. Call the band forward. Thanks, Josh. Good job. Servant's heart. Self-centered versus servant's heart. You know, by nature, we are not servants. We are self-centered. But that's the change that God makes in us as we come to him and we seek him. He begins to change us. And, Josh, I especially liked where you said we're never too young. We need to teach our children now how to serve others. You're never too old. If you've lived a self-centered life, that's okay. No, it's not okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. That's okay that you're at that place now. You can change. You can come to God, and he will change your heart and make us more and more. You know, some of us in here, we've lived self-centered lives, and this is kind of new for us. Others, we've been trying for a long time, and we're making it. We're getting somewhere, but there's always room for improvement in this. We'll never be as selfless and other-serving as Jesus. We've got to keep pressing towards that goal. So thanks, Josh. Good word. Thank you for listening to our weekly message. To connect with us, visit our website at blesscolumbia.org.